During the COVID-19 pandemic, our long-term care facilities are playing a huge role in keeping our seniors safe. Joining us today on Conversations with Clint to talk more about the challenges that these long-term care facilities are facing is Zach Schamberg, the president and CEO of PA Healthcare Association. Welcome, Zach. Thank you so much for joining us. Representative, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So today's conversation with Clint is another edition of Back Porch Podcasting. So again, folks, if you are easily distracted by tractors, trucks, birds, dogs, or small children playing in the yard, I am very sorry, but it's entirely way too nice outside to be inside. And it is summertime, so kids are, well, kids have been home from school for a long time, but kids are definitely home from school now. So if a dog or a small child walks by, that's okay. That's just life right now. So thank you again for joining us, Zach. First off, tell us a little bit about the PA Healthcare Association and the work that you guys do here in the Commonwealth. Sure. And and by the way, I'm distracted by all that too. So we'll see if we can keep the conversation going. And I wish I was there with you on the back porch this morning. So well, that was the plan, everybody. We we The plan was Zach was going to come up here and he was going to hang out on our back porch. And then I was going to take him down to the canyon, get him started biking. But he has a board meeting this afternoon, so it didn't work out. But I'm going to hold you to it. Next you have time. to come up sometime. That's okay. right. You have, to inv- you have to invite me back on this show. So right. Pennsylvania Healthcare Association is a statewide advocacy organization. And I'm in Harrisburg this morning, and that's where we're located here at the state capitol. We're two blocks from the capitol building. And really, we exist for one reason, and that's to fight. And we fight for Pennsylvania's long-term care providers. We fight for their frontline staff. And most importantly, we fight for the residents entrusted to their care. Now, PHCA today, represents more than 400 nursing homes, personal care homes, and assisted living communities across the Commonwealth. Really, we're the conduit between the providers on the front lines and our elected officials like you in our state government, because we know the issues, we know the challenges, and we work with the state to try to address those challenges. And I have to tell you, Representative, I don't think we've ever had a more important role as an association than we have now. Because as we're gonna talk about long-term care, our providers, our residents, our staff have had their world turned completely upside down by COVID-19. It's now when they need someone in their corner advocating for them. And we're very proud to do that. And you guys have done an amazing job with that. And the last three months have been extremely stressful for everyone. but long-term care facilities across the Commonwealth, I mean, we they have been on the front lines. So let's let's go back. Let's go back to March, um, April, um, maybe even into February, because I know you guys were were right engaged in this whole process with COVID nineteen very early on. But take us back. Um, what in your mind were some of the challenges that you knew were going to that that long-term care facilities were going to be facing because watching a, a virus or a pandemic, you guys work at that all the time. I mean, you, you, you have, that has to be in your mind as long, because everybody's, you know, in, in, in one building. And, and, and so take us back to what some of the challenges were that you saw and you knew were coming. Sure. So if we go back to March and it's really early March to your point, late February, which by the way, seems like a lifetime ago, 
you know, we forget that the first case of COVID-19 identified in the United States was actually in a nursing home in Washington state. And when that happened, we here at the Pennsylvania Healthcare Association immediately reached out to our counterparts there. We reached out to the facility where that first reported case occurred. And we wanted to learn. We wanted to better understand how our long-term care facilities here in Pennsylvania, whether it was a nursing home, personal care home, or assisted living community, could prepare and mitigate the spread of this virus. So here's what they told us. Very early on, staffing would be an issue in long-term care. PPE or personal protective equipment would be scarce. Testing supplies, which we're still fighting for today, needed to be allocated to long-term care. And Representative, when we're talking about specifically nursing homes, we're talking about healthcare providers who are reimbursed for the care that they provide by the state's Medicaid program. And that program has been underfunded for the better part of the last decade. So the folks in Washington told us that emergency funding would be of critical importance as well. So we had those conversations and we immediately got to work to make those requests of both the Wolf administration and the Department of Health. Now, we saw what happened in Washington and then we started to see this virus take shape here on the East Coast, especially in New York and New Jersey. And I want you to know that our members took very seriously the risks associated with COVID-19. And even before the federal government mandated it, we had long-term care facilities here in Pennsylvania implementing heightened preventative measures. So we restricted and then we banned visitation for all non-essential healthcare personnel. And that included family members, ancillary providers and others. Providers were screening staff at the beginning of every shift. All staff working within the facility were required to wear masks and PPE if they could find them. And unfortunately, providers had to put an end to group activities and communal dining. Some of the, the things and some of the activities that, that our residents love to do, it's why they're in our facilities in the first place. And, you know, you mentioned that providers already do these kinds of things on some level. It's worth noting and it's worth considering that COVID-19 hit just as long-term care facilities were getting ready for flu season. And the limited PPE supplies, coupled with the limited supplies of hand sanitizer and cleaning, um, cleaning formulas and, and cleaning supplies, just really came together and formed a kind of a perfect storm for the things that providers needed to try to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. So I, you guys were, were, were right at the forefront of this and, and really taking, taking us back is so important to understand. But let's talk a little bit more about the, the staff in these yeah. facilities. I mean, these, these are true heroes, you know, any day of the week. But then you add a pandemic onto it and the added stress. Um, let's talk about what COVID-19 changed in their lives and the amazing services that they provide to our senior citizens that are in these long-term facilities. Yeah, we appreciate that. And, and you said it, and it's exactly right. They are heroes. And I think, you know, unfortunately, it's taken a pandemic like this for everyone to come together and recognize them 
as heroes. But I, I just want to share something with you. Early on, as COVID-19 was really affecting long-term care facilities across the country, one of our PHCA members likened the staff on the front lines of long-term care to the firefighters and the police officers on September 11, 2001 in New York City. And while the circumstances are certainly different, I see the parallels because on that day, New Yorkers were running out of the World Trade Center, which was a building on fire as firefighters and police officers and EMS personnel were running in to help. And I, we've seen that in long-term care as a part of this pandemic. Over the last few months, as we've been forced, as I said, to keep others out, our frontline staff are putting their health and safety on the line. And they're running into our long-term care facilities and they're providing care. And I, I think that's truly extraordinary. But care can't happen at a six foot distance. You can't socially distance when you're helping someone out of bed or giving them medication or providing therapy. And our staff provides this care. And it's not just physical, it's at an emotional level. These are nurses, nurse aides, they're therapists who know their residents like family and they develop these emotional bonds. And if you talk to someone on the front lines, and I, I'd encourage you to do that, staff don't boast about what they do they deliver compassionate care day after day. But there are fears. And as we talk about a state response here in Pennsylvania, I don't think long-term care staff and providers were necessarily forgotten in this pandemic. I think they were ignored because the things that we already discussed, like PPE, testing, staffing, some of those took months to be delivered. So we have folks who worked shift after shift, day after day, without the resources they desperately needed. And why would anyone wanna do that again? I mean, they love their work and they love their residents, but long-term care faced a workforce crisis before this pandemic began. And it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens as things calm down and if those heroes ultimately decide to leave this profession. And I think that's incumbent on the state to make sure that they're supported and to make sure that they get the support they truly deserve. You're right, they, they really have been phenomenal in the work that they've done and they truly are. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, they were going to the front lines every single day and the stories that we heard were, were amazing and, and, and heart-wrenching. But let, let's talk a little bit now about the administration and the Department of Health, um, they have. You talked about this in a hearing that we had, and they had stated that um, they they haven't always gotten it right, which I understand. I mean, we're in the midst of totally new 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 times here. We're we're we're, we're all operating, you know, in a in a new era here. But one of the big issues was that we sent positive COVID cases back into or initially into long-term care facilities. Um, this has become a huge issue, and it really turned out to be a very big mistake. And it, talk a little bit about um, what your what your understanding of that was, and um, why that turned out to be such a big problem uh, for our seniors. Yeah, so the, that order here in Pennsylvania was distributed to all nursing homes on March 18th, and basically what it said was that facilities have to continue accepting new admissions and they have to continue receiving readmissions for their current residents 
who might have been discharged from a hospital and they're stable. And it was basically to alleviate the burden in acute care settings or, or hospitals. And that included patients or stable patients who have had the COVID-19 virus. So this order followed in the footsteps of similar orders that we saw across the country. Um, the most famous example or the most well-known example was New York. And Governor Cuomo told nursing homes in New York State that they have to accept COVID positive patients to again, help alleviate that hospital surge. Now that order in New York has since been rescinded. And I get it, that's certainly an option if there's a hospital surge. But here in Pennsylvania, it became very clear very quickly that outside the city of Philadelphia, there was no real hospital surge. There were hospital beds available. So to issue that order to our association and to our members, that seemed almost unbelievable to us. Because when you look at this virus fundamentally, we knew that seniors are affected more than any other segment of the population. We know the virus is highly contagious, especially in a contained area. This was an absolute recipe for disaster. And I, I just want to tell you that the minute New York issued their order, it sent shockwaves throughout long-term care, not just here in Pennsylvania, but nationally. Our National Association quickly issued a response the national medical directors issued a response and we communicated to this state that that was not an appropriate response here in Pennsylvania. But again, on March 18th, this happened. And here's what we told our members. If you don't have the necessary PPE, personal protective equipment, the masks, gowns, gloves, goggles, if you don't have access to testing, if you don't have the ability to cohort or create COVID specific wings or floors, or you don't have the necessary trained staff, then do not follow this order because it puts lives at risk. Now it's worth noting that some nursing homes, especially in the Philadelphia area, willingly did this. They created those COVID specific floors, wings, or even entire facilities to help with the hospital surge. That certainly didn't work for everybody. And we don't represent every nursing home, every personal care home, every assisted living community. So we told our members very clearly, if you're, not, if you're not able to care for this person, then you can't do it. But I don't know that that message made it to every facility across Pennsylvania. So what happened with that? I mean, talk about the numbers here in Pennsylvania. When this, when this order went down, yep. what, what, did, what kind of numbers uh, did you see the shockwave go through the system and how quickly did that happen? Well, it, it, I don't know that we can attribute it totally to this order to accept all COVID positive residents. I mean, again, what we know about the virus is that it could also be brought in to a facility by asymptomatic staff or even asymptomatic residents who don't know that they have the virus but are shedding the virus nevertheless. And the data doesn't lie. Right now, more than 600 facilities statewide are reporting at least one COVID positive resident in their facility. And nearly 70% of all COVID-19 related deaths in Pennsylvania have occurred in long-term care. So while I don't know that we can attribute those numbers entirely to that order, it certainly didn't help with caring for these vulnerable residents for making sure that staff stayed safe. And again, I, I think it goes to the point that we've been advocating for 
since even before this pandemic began or even before things got worse and worse in early to mid-March. And that was prioritization for PPE, prioritization for testing. Absent a vaccine, these are the tools providers need if they're going to be able to care for these residents. So let's talk a little bit about that and testing and long-term care facilities. Um, the state has really stepped in and tried to prioritize that. Um, do you think that this is going to help um, in keeping these facilities safe? And, and to what degree um, do you think that's going to help? Yeah, and, and just to give your, your viewers and listeners some background on this. So about two months ago, the Department of Health in their daily press conferences said very clearly to long-term care providers, we're not going to test once because it only paints a single picture in time. It's not worth doing testing unless it's universal recurring testing. So that means testing for all residents, all staff on a recurring basis, maybe weekly, maybe bi-weekly, maybe monthly. It's worth noting in other states, recurring testing has been implemented. New York is a good example. Last night, actually, on June 15th, Governor Whitmer in Michigan um, decided to issue this executive order that said recurring testing for all residents of that state, believe it or not, needs to take place. A month later, so now we're into mid-May, the Department of Health said, we're not going to mandate testing. We're not gonna even recommend testing but we're gonna put testing out there as a strategy for long-term care. Use it if you'd like. And about a week ago, the Department of Health has now said, okay, we're gonna mandate testing for everyone. Not recurring, just one universal test for all long-term care residents and staff. I look around our, at our neighboring states, whether it's Maryland, Ohio, West Virginia, New York, they prioritize testing for long-term care workers and residents, asymptomatic or symptomatic. And this was all done months ago. It's something that we've been asking for for months. Now, one round of testing in long-term care is going to cost $22 million for only nursing homes and $32 million if we add assisted living and personal care. We're advocating that that testing be covered by the state as other states have done, whether it's Maryland, West Virginia, or other states across the country. As of now, there's no plan to test every resident and staff member on a recurring basis. I truly believe, based on the research, based on speaking with experts across the country, if we're going to universally test, it should be done on a recurring basis. We don't need just that picture in time. We need to know that 14 days later, that maybe 28 days later, folks have recovered and they're ready to care for residents again, or they're ready to be in the same room or in the same dining room as other residents again. Wow, that's crazy. That's a lot of money. I mean, to do it recurring would be... It, but it, but you're right. It's it's the only way to doing it once never makes sense to me. I mean, it, you're right. It, it show it paints a picture today, but we need to know where we're going to be, you know, every day from here on out. And it but but testing is 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 definitely the problem. Let's shift gears here a little bit. 
let's talk about um, some of the struggles that families and residents are having right now. Um, so it's incredibly hard. One of the things that we hear about in our office a lot is how, how challenging it is for families with loved ones in long-term care facilities who haven't been able to see um, their grandma, their grandpa, their mom or dad for the past three months. In fact, last night I had an electrician here that's gonna be doing a couple of things in my house for me. And he said he hasn't seen his mom for four months and it's it was breaking his heart. So likewise for the residents who sometimes might be confused about what's going on and they haven't seen their family members and kind of wondering why haven't been they been in to see me and then they really, they have not been able to get in to see their loved ones. So what can you tell us about this and why this is taking place? What, what the strategy behind that is and what the next steps are to really reconnecting that. I mean, that's all of us, we want that. I mean, I think that's one thing that I would love people to go like, that's something, but we all want that. Like being able to be connected with your family is so, so important. Um, so what are the, what's kind of the, the next step in being able to make that happen? So a couple of things here, and here's how I want to start. I, I understand the frustration and the angst of the families in your district and across the state who want to see their loved ones in long-term care. I understand that not just because I'm an advocate for long-term care facilities, but because I'm the family member of a loved one in a personal care home right now. Uh, my grandfather is in a personal care home. He has been for the last year. He was diagnosed with dementia about five years ago. And it just got to the point where we couldn't adequately and safe or safely take care of him at home. Um, he's in personal care and we have not seen him other than on FaceTime or on a go-to meeting for the last four months. So I, I understand that frustration and believe me, I want to see my grandfather too. You know, I, I go back to the visitation restrictions that were put in place at the beginning. And at the end of the day, the last thing providers want to do is keep their residents from their loved ones. But these were put in place to protect the health and safety of those residents, of our most vulnerable population, of the staff who are protecting those residents. And I think as we look forward, you know, as we look to see how we can reopen long-term care, because that's what we're talking about with businesses across the state. How do we reopen Pennsylvania? And I don't want long-term care to be forgotten in that conversation, in that equation, because this has to happen. And we're seeing it happen in other states, whether it's Ohio, West Virginia, Iowa, Indiana. Other states are able to practice or implement visitation that can be done safely, that can be done in the best interest of both residents and their family members. Most of it takes place outside and folks are wearing PPE. Family members are having their temperatures checked at the door. There's plexiglass in between you and your loved ones. And while that may not sound ideal, I don't think there's a family member in Pennsylvania who wouldn't be willing to do that to see their loved one. The Department of Health um, introduced preliminary guidance at the beginning of June. And basically what they said was that when a county in Pennsylvania goes green, providers still have to wait 28 days, almost a month before they can implement visitation. I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't know why we're using a one size fits all approach 
for long-term care when our state is so vastly different? Because as you know, Representative, what's happening up in your district may not be the same that's happening where my grandfather is in Montgomery County. So if you have a facility that's COVID-free or you have a county that's COVID-free, why shouldn't safe visitation be able to open? So that's our next step, ensuring that facilities that can do it, providers that can do it, can open their doors again, or at least provide outdoor visitation so that our residents can see their loved ones again, because it's so, so important. You're exactly right. It is it is so important for those residents and for the folks that want to see their their loved ones. And um, well, Zach, thank you so much for for joining us today, and thank you for the great work that you guys are doing um, here across the Commonwealth uh, for our senior citizens. And um, I call them senior saints, right? They're they're I mean, I love it. The, the <laughs> senior saints in our district are awesome, and I love hanging out with them. Um, right before this pandemic started i was able to give a citation to a, a young lady that was turning a hundred in a long-term care yeah. facility and uh, those those opportunities I, now everything's shut down we can't get in there but i for all of those that are listening and watching um in our long-term care facilities we appreciate you we love you guys we, we appreciate you know what you bring to our, the value to our community and it's amazing and the the experiences that you can share with us and the stories is just does my heart good. So, um, but thank you, Zach. And uh, that's that's it for today's conversation with Clint. Thank you so much uh, for listening in and watching. And uh, please reach out to our office if there's any state-related issues uh, that we can help you with. I hope everybody has a wonderful week and weekend. And remember to be a change maker in your community, your Commonwealth, and your country.